The best article I ever wrote when I was a pool guy was, how much does a fiberglass pool cost? Now, what is witty about that? Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there listeners, this is James Reynolds and you're tuned into Traffic Jam episode number 24 and of course this is the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads and sales from your website and build a profitable audience online. Now, as always, I'm super thankful that you could join me here on the show today. I really do value your time and I hope that you get a lot of value yourself out of the time that you invest in listening to Traffic Jam. I think today's show is certainly going to be one of those episodes with a huge number of takeaways. But not only that, my guest today has got a really inspiring story. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in a moment or two. Of course, as always, we're going to have the regular segments of the show, which is the one minute traffic tip, a really short, sharp, actionable bit of advice that you can go and implement hopefully right away. Uh, We've got the news from traffic all of the uh, the top stories from traffic generation in the past seven days. That's the uh, the segment we call this week's news in traffic. We'll have some listener comments and reviews. And of course, we'll end the show with our traffic jam jam. And today that will be chosen by Marcus Sheridan. He's the guest. Now, Marcus has a fantastically inspiring story that I think most small business owners would find very encouraging indeed. Now, just a few years ago, Marcus wasn't the consultant and speaker at the saleslion.com that he is now. He, in his own words, was a regular pool guy. He had a company that installed fiberglass swimming pools within homes. And as you can imagine, at the height of the financial crisis, when the property downturn happened, people's resources and funds for such things as swimming pools pretty much dried up. So Marcus's company found themselves in quite a spot of bother. But Marcus, using the power of content marketing and blogging, was able to turn his business around into a huge success and create a website that became the most trafficked swimming pool website in the world. Now, Marcus did all of this just with a few hours a day in the evening blogging about the biggest questions that his prospects and customers had. He calls it, they ask you answer. That's the concept behind it. He answers every single question that you could ever imagine from a prospect and client on his website, creating valuable content that draws people into his website primarily through search engines. So Marcus tells us all about this one particular strategy in today's interview, plus lots of other really cool traffic grabbing tips. So let's get stuck into the interview right now. It's with Marcus Sheridan and he's from thesaleslion.com. So as mentioned at the top of the episode, joining me on today's show here on Traffic Jam is Marcus Sheridan from thesaleslion.com. Marcus, welcome to Traffic Jam. Hey, man, James, thanks for having me, man. Excited to uh, be here and hopefully I can uh, say something of value for all those listeners you've got. 
<laughs> I'm sure you will. Well, anyway, let's get stuck straight in. I'm not one for a kind of a lot of preamble. I want to start off with something actually here, a little bit fun, a little bit out of the ordinary. Now, when we were setting up this session, you told me that you'd like to address some of the issues and attack some of the myths of content marketing. So we're going to play a little game of truth or delusion to kick things off, if you're up for it. <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely <laughs> up for it. Awesome. So I'm going to give you a statement and you're going to answer with truth or delusion and tell us why. So you ready for the first one? Ready. Awesome. Okay. So first one is to succeed with blogging, you've got to create epic blog posts. Truth or delusion? Uh, delusional in terms of the way that most people define epic. I think that's actually one of the biggest misnomers in the industry because the way we define epic or awesome or amazing or even great varies from person to person. I mean, ultimately, James, I think if we're trying to be helpful, I define help pretty stinking awesome. And uh, informative to me is pretty stinking awesome. And if one person reads your content and says, ah, now I understand. Now I have the answer to my problem. Now I have a solution to my issues. That, therefore, is epic stuff. Now, it's not epic the way that the rest of the world might might see it. They might expect something that's got tons of visual this and visual that and numbers and graphs and charts. And, you know, I mean, it's just we just get yeah. overwhelmed with all this epic stuff and nothing great gets yeah. accomplished for most companies. Delusion. Yeah. Delusional. And it is one of those buzzwords out there right now. So it's one of the first questions I want to attack. I think there's a quite a lot of pressure perhaps on business owners to really get in this state of overwhelm with uh, with content marketing. So I'm glad you've answered that one in the way that you have. Right, we'll hit the next one. Share your very best content, even if that means you're at risk of educating your competitors. Truth or delusion? Um, That's fully true. I, I just, I, I don't care. You should never base a single marketing decision on your, on your competition. And so until the competition actually pays your bills, they should not even come into the fray of the, of the argument and the discussion of what is going to provide value for our prospects and our existing clients. And I just don't understand why companies will not publish something for fear of what the competition, who has no impact on their bottom line in a good way, for fear of what the competition will do or say or think or feel or steal or whatever. We give the competition entirely too much credit uh, for taking our good stuff. We really, really do. Just produce it and whatever they do with it, who cares? Yeah, sure, sure. Cool. Well, let's roll on. Um, the best blog posts titles are intriguing, funny, or outrageous as they'll attract the most clicks. Delusional. Truth. Delusional. Oh, of the time. Fast off the button. <laughs> yeah, delusional 99% of the time. Okay, I mean, here's here's the thing. For most businesses that don't have this massive list, James, of you know thousands of subscribers, let's look like it. If, if you got a huge email list, and you're trying to get people to click through, you might want to come up with catchy subject lines. But when it comes to writing content on your website, blog, articles, etc., you sh shouldn't try to be witty or funny or snappy or any of those things because guess what? The search engines don't know what the heck you're talking about. And if they don't know what you're talking about, they won't like your stuff. And regular people, they just want to know what you're talking about. If they're confused at all, 
And if they have to interpret what the heck you're saying, you're going to lose them. I think one of the number one mistakes, I mean, it's easily in, in the top three of all mistakes I see for businesses that attempt to do this content marketing and blogging thing. They come up with witty and catchy and all these other types of titles. Look, this is not a newspaper. It is not a magazine. You're not trying to get someone to pull it off of the shelf. It doesn't work like that. So you want to be straightforward. The best article I ever wrote when I was a pool guy was how much does a fiberglass pool cost? Now, what is witty about that? None of the stuff that I do that is, and I've got so many articles that have been read so many times and it ain't about some amazing title. Tell the people exactly what you're going to tell them. Got it. Okay, cool. Next one. Grammar is really important and slang should be avoided as it's unprofessional. Truth or delusion? Delusional. Um, and I would say in, in this regard, um, if you look at the internet, the companies that are great with this are the ones that are willing to make mistakes on the fly. Sometimes that's an individual. They've never blogged in their life. They're not a great reader. I'm telling you what, James, you go look at my stuff from four years ago. It's like this big, massive content turd. I mean, there's grammatical mistakes. <laughs> it's just a bunch of problems. And one would have looked at that, one of these, like uh, the internet police that they have today, <laughs> and they would have looked at that and said, oh, look at that guy there. He's got bad grammar. He's not a good writer. And, and I would have listened to that and been all upset. Well, it's a good thing I didn't listen to anybody. I didn't know to listen. I didn't really care. I was just trying to get better, and I was trying to generate traffic leads and sales to my website. Now, am yeah. I saying that you're irresponsible and unprofessional? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you were to ask me a question at the coffee shop, and I answer it in a certain way. That's the same way I should answer it on my blog for the most part. Yes, you want to be professional, but you want to be personal too. And there is a there's this there there's a beautiful um, mesh between the two if you can find it. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Right, we're gonna hit you up with the last one, and that's longer blog posts are better as they rank more strongly on Google. Truth or delusion? Mm, it's a really good good one. I would say. Um, if if you, you have – I'm going to say truth because you wanted me to give you an answer. So I'm going to say truth. I'm going to say truth based on if you have two good pieces of content, okay, and let's say they both have the same title, the same basic groups of words. One is 500 words and one is 1,500 words. The way that Hummingbird is now working and Google is now working, the 1,500 will outperform. I've done this. Okay, so what you're saying is where possible, aim longer if you can. If it makes sense. Now, I don't think you should stuff words in there that don't make sense. But if you're providing value the whole way, and if, and if more means more helpful, not just words, uh, then it makes sense to do it and you should do it. Yes. Got it. Okay, awesome. How fun was that? That was a lot of fun. It was way better than... Um, <laughs> Than like every other interview that I have. So that's, that's awesome, man. You know, I mean, because to me, everybody, here's the thing we do these types of interviews. Uh, first of all, nobody really wants to hear about me at first until we get going. And they might not want to hear about me at all. Because the truth is, they just want to know how to solve their problems. That's what they're really interested in. And yeah. a lot of um, a lot of broadcasts, they just take too much time to get to the meat. So that was beautiful because we took care of the meat, you know. And so, if, so, you know, if we have appetizers, fine. But we took care of the meat already. That's beautiful. 
Awesome. Well, I am going to ask you to share your story now because you haven't always been this marketing consultant who travels the world and speaks at conferences and talks to guys like me on podcasts. You were once a humble Paul guy. Tell us about that whole evolution of where you got today because I think it's probably quite relevant for our listener, but perhaps a little bit inspiring as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's relevant. And I'm going to give you the quick quick one-on-one. I started a swimming pool company that installs in-ground swimming pools with two business partners in 2001, and things were going okay until the end of 2008 when the market crashed here in the United States. Nobody could get a nobody could get a loan for a pool anymore because they didn't have any value in their home because the home values were down so much. And so we went through a period at the beginning of 2009 where we were three straight weeks overdrawn in our bank accounts, and every consultant that I talked to it was telling us to close our doors. And so I had to generate more leads than I ever had in a terrible, terrible time to save my business. Otherwise, I was going to lose my home. I was going to lose everything I had. And I didn't have any money to do all this stuff. I couldn't advertise. I just couldn't throw money in the wind. So I started reading about uh, you know social and inbound and content marketing and all these things. And the way I understood it was if I become the best teacher online about that thing that I do – I'm going to get rewarded by people and by search engines alike, and that's going to generate more traffic, leads, and ultimately sales. That's how I saw it. And so what we did with Riverpools was we said, okay, we've gotten hundreds if not thousands of questions over the years about pools. Why don't we make our philosophy, our golden rule, they ask, we answer, which I think is the ultimate golden rule for anybody today who wants to be great online, which is they ask, ever ask the question, you answer it. And you should try to give a good answer, a transparent answer, an honest answer. So that's what we did. We took every question, good, bad, and ugly. We turned it into a title of a blog post. And then, we'd an- then we would answer it and we'd be transparent as, as heck. And what happened is a few things. From a search perspective, we just started to blow up because Google said, finally, somebody's willing to answer these questions that nobody else seems to want to address. Like, how much does a fiberglass pool cost, for example? That's, just, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the famous one. Um, also people started reading the site and they started reading tons of pages on the site to make a long story really short river pools and spas today is the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. It's about 200,000 visitors a month and, um, it saved the business. And because of the success that river pools has had, I started writing about the success, uh, about a year into it and started a, uh, what was at the time, just their blog called The Sales Lion, and it it turned out to be a great move because people started wanting, wanting me to come to conferences and tell that story and teach about what we did with River Pools. And so today, that's what I do is I travel the world and I speak and I consult. My company's called The Sales Lion, and it's a great life. And River Pools continues to blow up. The sales line's blowing up, and I'm just trying to help everybody see that mentality of be the best teacher in the world at what you do. And if you're the best teacher in the world and you hear better than anybody, you hear what the customer says, what the consumer is saying, you think like them, you feel like them, you act like them, and then you can address the concerns in the way that they get it, you're going to be incredibly successful. Yeah, good. Well, I'm intrigued about kind of how you got – going with all of this because I mean content marketing let's face it it's not a short-term play it's it's a long-term strategy what gave you the courage and persistence to keep at it early on when your business was in such trouble well I think um, first of all we can't define how quick this is going to work I I know of clients that I have they will write a blog post today they'll get a lead in a week that will be a customer in three weeks 
And that's a big deal. I'll see other people, they'll write their first blog post a day, and they won't get their first lead for a month or two, maybe three. It's rare it takes that long, especially if they're doing it the right way. But we can't put a time frame on this. But what we can do is say, we see where the trends are headed. We see how consumer behavior has changed. We see how we all see Google as a source of all light, truth, and knowledge. That we go there and we want to ask it every single question, crazy questions, odd questions, consumer-based questions, buying questions, best of questions, how much is it questions, compare this questions. We do it for every single thing we're, we're thinking about buying. And so because of this, and because it's only going to get worse, it's not going to change. We're not going to go back to the yellow pages. We're not going back to the paper. We're not going back to these things. We have to see Ford embrace it. And so it doesn't really matter how long you think it's going to take. That's irrelevant to where we all are. And those yeah. that it's interesting to me because there was a little period of time about 10 years ago where a lot of people said, I just don't see how a website is relevant to my business. Well, it's impossible yeah. that somebody today does not have a website. Pretty much 99% of all businesses, they have a website before they go into business. It's almost like you don't have a business until you have your digital footprint, right? But that was unheard of 10 years ago. Well, today, yeah. if you don't have content and, and if you don't try to be a teacher, if you don't try to be informative, you're going to get laughed off the digital stage. You are. People will pass you by and you will just be wondering what the heck happened. Yeah, it seems strange, right? Thinking back 10 years now to that sort of decision process that was happening with every single business at the time. Shall we or shan't we embrace online? It's now become, uh, well, it's not even an option now, right? And we have to go there. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind or worse be perhaps even go out of business. Well, that's it's, it, James. Uh, and that's exactly why if you look at the last 10 years, there's been we've constantly relived the story of David versus Goliath. And there's all these digital Davids that – because they didn't have they had they didn't have the huge budget to compete with the um, the media of some of these huge brands they they just went right under it all and they did it through the internet and many of them have overcome the big brands now because they were able to be just like a david quick and nimble and fast and outside the box and they embrace these things early i tell you who stinks online the companies that have a bunch of red tape they have to get every single <laughs> word that they write on their website approved by some stinking lawyer, by a board of, of trustees or whatever it is. Those are the companies that are dying on the vine, while the ones, like I said, that are quick and nimble and fast, they're the ones that are doing unbelievable things. They're gendering the most attention, the most trust, and ultimately, because of that, the most sales. Yeah. Good. Well, I really want to talk now, Marcus, about the kind of the, the practical application of this stuff, because you've clearly got a kind of formula for this sort of question based blogging method that you use with your approval. Would you kind of share the overarching sort of um, strategy or or sort of structure of how you put this type of thing together? Well, yeah, sure. And, and I and I mentioned it a, a little bit, but I do this with every single client. We do it the exact same way. And the first thing that we do is we get any person in the company that talks to um, prospects, communicates with prospects and, and, uh, and customers, uh, clients on a consistent basis. That might be somebody in sales. Sales are the best ones. Customer service is a great one too. And so we say, what are the questions that you get every single day? And we brainstorm those questions. Now, I've never seen a company do this the right way and come up with less than 100 questions. Uh, lots of times they'll come up with 200 or 300, 400, 500. 
sometimes in the thousands, depending on how many people are doing it. Now, I believe it's your moral obligation to answer every single one of those questions on your website. Exactly as, again, as a, as a consumer would search it and think it and feel it. And so you take each one of those questions and you turn it into a title of a, plo- of a post. Again, that's just a page of your website. And you don't say it in incomplete sentences. In other words, you wouldn't say how much does it cost. You say, if I go online, I'm going to say how much does a fiberglass pool cost or what is the cost of a fiberglass pool. That's how someone would think it. That's how someone would search it. That's a consumer. Therefore, that's the way that the post should be titled. You do that transparently and honestly, and you just go and go and go. The best companies are the ones that know how to leverage that those answers from their existing employees. And so a company that's got 10 salespeople on staff should have 10 content producers. And the main areas where, where people should start with this is what I call the big five. Now, the big five are the five subjects that move every single industry. I don't care what it is that somebody's buying. The big five are what they're going to be thinking about first. Yet most companies are afraid of the big five. Now, what are the big five? Number one, it's cost and price-based articles, Okay. Anything, anytime anybody's ever asked you how much something costs, generally the answer is it depends. And so people are afraid to put that answer on the website. Well, that's a really dumb methodology because you're essentially inviting people to leave your website and go to somebody that's willing to address this this subject, this question. And so you need to take every one of those those uh, questions of that are cost related. You need to answer them on your website, but you need to say if it if the answer is it depends, you need to explain why it depends. Explain to me why there are variable prices. Explain to me what my options are. Explain what's going to drive the cost down or up. Those are what I want to see as a consumer. That's number one. Number two is problems, issues, etc. Okay? To give you an example of what I'm talking about. People used to ask me all the time, okay, Marcus, I'm thinking about a fiberglass pool, but be honest. What are the potential problems that I might have if I buy a fiberglass pool? Okay? So another example is I... Um, I'm a representative for a software called HubSpot, which is an inbound marketing software. And people would ask me all the time, so what are the potential issues and drawbacks of using HubSpot? Those are questions that are very relevant, very important. You shouldn't shy away from those questions. You should answer them on your website. So if you go online right now and you type in what are the problems with fiberglass pools or what are the problems with HubSpot, you're going to read something that Marcus shared and said because I've actually addressed the subject. Uh, that's number two. Number three is versus slash comparisons. We love to compare stuff online. It's because we're fascinated and obsessed with knowing the best and the worst. And so if you've ever been asked about your product or service, a comparative-based question, you need to answer that on your website. So if someone says, okay, so which is better, your thing or their thing? Why? Which methodology is better, yours or theirs? Why? And the key when you do this is you need to do it in such a way that you, you're you honest and you say, here's the pros and cons of our stuff. Here's the pros and cons of their stuff or their way or their methodology, whatever it is. Now you can decide which is the best fit for you because that's what consumers want. So that's number three, versus and comparisons. Number four, people are, are fascinated with review-based stuff. They, they love to do reviews. And so they go online and they search reviews of such and such. So you need to write review-based articles and you need to do it often. And then number five, you need to address best of questions. People love best questions. They're obsessed with it. They go online and say, what's the best restaurant in England? What is the best construction um, 
architecture firm in such and such town? I mean, that's the way that people think. We love asking best-based questions. Think of how many times you've been asked, what is the best such and such in your field, in your industry? There's so many best opportunities, and that's number five. So to repeat, cost, problems, versus, reviews, and best. Those are the big five. You start there, you work your way out, but those are the essential questions that people want to know. Once you answer those questions, now you start to see categories form. You take those categories as they form, and you'll have 10 or 20 or 30 blog posts in each category. Now you produce guides and eBooks from those, right? And so let's say you have a category that is specific. You've got five categories and you've written 10 articles about each category. Now you take those, you turn them into five eBooks or guides. And now those guides, you integrate them into your sales process. You have your salespeople send them out to prospects and to clients before you have your first engagement, during your engagements, after your engagements. You also have them available on your website, on your social platforms for lead capture and conversions. And this way you have lead intelligence and you can build your database. And so that's where it all starts. But it all starts with knowing the questions and listening well and thinking just like the consumer. And once you do that and you really start to embrace this idea of teaching, that's when the magic occurs. Yeah. And I'm sure with you just keeping your eyes open and your ears open, these questions must come up every single day. I mean, I'm just thinking through my own business. I just have to take you know, one look inside our help desk, record a few telephone calls, make some notes. I'm speaking to customers day in, day out. And these questions are just everywhere. So this, I'm guessing- this is the mistake, though, that most companies make, because who is the person or who is the department, James, that usually has to address all these questions on the website? Well, the department is the marketing department. And this is where it gets all jacked up. Because when was the last time somebody in marketing really spent a lot of time with a prospect or a customer? It doesn't generally happen that way. And that's why marketing in and of itself shouldn't shouldn't exist in a silo. Otherwise, everything gets screwed up. That's why sales and customer service has to be involved in the marketing process because nobody hears the questions like sales does. Nobody Absolutely. answers questions nearly as much as sales do. I had I had a, a software guy, a guy that worked for a software company. He came to me and he's like, I'm not sure what to write about. I just don't know. And I said, when was the last time you spent any time with a salesperson? He says, like, I've never spent any time with a salesperson. I said, well, that's why, <laughs> that's why you have no idea what you're going to write about. And I said, this is what you need to do for the next two days. I want you to shadow your best sales guy. I want you to read all of his emails with him. I want you to listen in on all of his phone conversations. And I want you to be on every face-to-face meeting that he has. And write down every single question he gets during that time period. And now you're going to have enough content to go until the end of time. He said, wow, that sounds interesting. He literally contacted me the next week. He said, Marcus, it's crazy. I have enough content for the next year. And yeah. in case beforehand, he didn't have anything. I mean, this is where everybody screws up and we've got to change it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you've proven it doesn't have to be as hard as people imagine, but I'm guessing that past that sort of process of collecting ideas and and questions for the content, do a lot of people get stuck on actually writing the content itself? I would say yes. Some people do because they overthink it. They don't have the coffee shop approach. I would say the biggest problem, James, is is many of them don't write in a way that makes me trust them. So most people, when you when you initially teach this and they start it, they want to just come out and say how awesome they are, right? 
we, if you go to the homepage of anybody's website, it's about how awesome they are, how awesome their product <laughs> is, how awesome my stuff is, my services. And then you get into their articles and their blog contents like, here's why we're awesome. And it's just this one big bag of awesome vomit. And so what has to happen is the conversation has to change. So how does it change? Well, instead of saying you're awesome, you, you take the question and you say, if I wasn't a biased business owner or marketer, how can I really present this in a way that's going to induce trust? And the best way to do it generally is you got to present two sides to every question, two sides to every story. What is the best? What is the worst? Why are you good? Why are you who you're not a good for? I mean, give an example. Do you realize, James, it's more important on your website that you say who you're not for than who you are for? But yet, how many companies? on their site address who they're not for yeah, almost few. nobody now if 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 you read though who you're not it, let's say you come to my site and i say for example let's let's do pools because that's an easy example and i say to you well a fiberglass pool might not be for you if you're looking for a pool that's longer than 40 feet, it's not a good fit for you. If you're looking for a pool that's wider than 16 feet, it's not a good fit for you. If you're looking for a very, very customized, unique shape, it's not a good fit for you. But if you're looking for a pool that's less than 16 by 40 and is offered in the line that we have available, and you're looking for a low-maintenance pool that's going to last you a lifetime, it might be a great fit for you. Now, in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, this is awesome because I wanted a 16 by 32 pool in low maintenance, the big deal. But instead, instead, most people don't ever go down that road. And so what happens? Nothing good. Yeah, I guess most of what they're, they're worried that they might isolate a corner of the market that's probably not even available to them anyway, despite being very specific about who and who they can't I, so actually you said, help. Uh, you said the magic words. I, I say people, what are you afraid of? And they say, well, I'm afraid if I do that, I'm going to lose a customer. And I'm thinking to myself, they ain't going to come anyway. <laughs> they're not going to be a customer. The power of this, the, the greatest content marketers, marketers and businesses, I would say, in the world are the ones that have a very clear identity of who they are, who they are not, and who they want to do business with and who they do not want to do business with and they never sit there and say i'm afraid to lose a customer they're more afraid of starting a relationship with somebody that's a really bad fit mm, yeah it's crazy okay cool well marcus we've kind of covered and how we prepare this content kind of how it's structured um once we've got it posted to our site, what happens next? Do you actually announce this content anywhere? Is there kind of any form of SEO done on the post? What's the, the strategy post-publishing? Well, I think SEO is very relevant. Um, some people like, you know, who believe in this odd utopic society think SEO is dead or not relevant. And those people have obviously never really tried to run a successful content marketing campaign with a whole lot of businesses because many industries are not social. They just are not. And because they're not social, SEO is really important because a lot of people use SEO for that for to, to make up for what social does not offer. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, 
Um, for whatever reason, people don't go online and brag that they just spent $50,000 on a swimming pool. You just don't really see it. And that's why there's articles on River Pools, my swimming pool company, that have been read a half a million times, but they've been tweeted and liked once or twice. Yeah. So you say, how is that possible? Well, it's, it's, and they've, they've generated tons of sales because that's SEO. And that's why you do have to pay attention to page titles, URLs, meta descriptions, things like that. Now, in terms of the actual words of the post, you do want to be natural there. You want you want to be natural as possible, but you do need to pay attention to the front end of SEO, which is page titles, URLs, and meta descriptions. I've written about all those on the sales line, but they, they can't be overlooked. They cannot be overlooked. Now, social is important, certainly in some industries, and the, the social platforms and their order of importance change from industry to industry, uh, company to company. And so to give you an example, River Pools doesn't spend a lot of time, my swimming pool company, we don't spend time on Twitter because there's almost no returns um, versus the time we could spend on Twitter versus time producing content. Producing content is way better. Uh, Notwithstanding, with with the sales line, which is a marketing consulting company, we have a ton of social movement, right? We, 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 We depend on social to drive a ton of traffic. We use social to generate traffic leads and sales and customers as well, and new leads. And so there's more of a mix there. There's a lot of SEO and there's a lot of social. It just depends. It just depends. I do think, though, that most companies should do two things. They should focus on SEO no matter what, not allowing it to mess the content up, but following best practices. That's number one. Number two, I think they should choose one social platform that will will provide the most returns for them. For the majority of um, businesses, especially in the B2B world, that's LinkedIn. Nobody pays attention to LinkedIn, but LinkedIn's pretty awesome from a B2B perspective and even B2C oftentimes. But LinkedIn is great, but it's not like that for every single one. That's why you have to experiment a little bit and figure out which one of those platforms is the ideal fit. Yeah, got it. So is this strategy really, Marcus, is it is it a kind of a new visitor front-end strategy? Or would you recommend... Let's say, for instance, announcing these posts once you publish them to your email list. Is that going to be a good use of time or are we just going to you know, frustrate and annoy people by sending them answers to questions all the time that perhaps aren't relevant? Well, it depends. I mean, obviously, you've got, the, you've got people that subscribe to your content and that's great. And, and they've already, it happens automatically. They've given you permission. It just happens. And then you've got your email database. How often should you email them? Well, Again, that depends on everybody. It depends on what you sell. depends on your business model. depends on, on what you're targeting. I think the most important question is, is are you experimenting with your database? Are you sending out emails? Are you watching what happens? Are you following the results? Are, are you following best practices? Are you putting in calls to action that move people, that help generate you know business? Help generate leads. Are you doing those things? I send out, you know, with the sales line to give you an example. I've got a lot of subscribers that get the stuff automatically through email or RSS feed. Then I have an email list, but I don't kill my email list. I mean, I got about, I don't know, almost 20,000 on that list. And I probably email them maybe once a month. Not very mm. much. And I might I might mention a few major pieces of content, but but it's not, I just don't I don't wear that list out. Some marketers are different. Some some burn through lists. I mean, just blow through their list. And um, that's because, you know, they just have a different business model. Everyone is different. Unfortunately, there's not a great answer to that question. 
<laughs> well, no, I think you've wrapped it up, really. I think we've got to look at each individual, um, you know, scenario, which is the, the case in point for most things. Not everything's the right fit for everyone. So, you know, just review your own scenario and see if it's going to work for you. Marcus, I want to kind of just finish up this conversation, just talking along the topic of SEO. How has this sort of question and answer blogging strategy been affected by recent Google updates? Did you see any difference in terms of traffic for, you know, these big panda and, and penguin updates or the most recent hummingbird one? James, i tell you what, bro. This is, to me, uh, I, just, I just smack my forehead when I see companies falling out left and right over these new updates because all of my clients are doing better than they've ever done and hummingbird was was the best of the three yeah and i think everything's coming out in the wash now there's a couple of you know you have some anomalies of of websites that were messed over and it wasn't their fault but 90 plus percent of the time it's gone like this if people try to trick and shortchange the process in Google, they have paid the price. In other words, if you dance with the devil, you're going to get burned. And a lot of people have gotten burned over the last few years because they did things like um, unnatural link building or, or buying links or, or just general keyword stuffing or manipulation or all these other types of things where I'm like, of course you're going to get you know just kicked right in the midsection. And frankly, you deserve it if, if that happens. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I've been in this game for four years, hardcore. I paid attention to SEO hardcore for four years. And I could have done all those things. And every single time I said to myself, number one, it doesn't feel right. Number two, I believe that the search engines are going to be smarter than humans at some point in time in terms of grading out content. And a lot of people laughed at me when I said that. I said, so, but, but, but it's proving to be 100% true. And that's why the philosophy that they ask you answer. If you look at what Hummingbird did, Hummingbird said, what we want to do is we want to address the questions exactly like the people search them. I'm like, duh, yeah. I've been saying this for four years. <laughs> if you think like a consumer and you say to yourself, how exactly, if they had that problem right now, how would they go online and find the solution? What would they type in? Well, then you're going to come up with the right title and the right content. But if you think in a different way, especially in a way of manipulation, you're probably going to do poorly. And so you reap what you sow in the digital world, and a lot of people are reaping what they sowed for good and for bad. I'm doing great. <laughs> and I'm doing great too. This is exactly the sort of stuff that I teach, and, and certainly the advice I give our listeners here and, and my clients is to really address your content to serve the purpose of answering the questions that your market have. And ultimately, Google want to do the same thing as the market. They want to be able to answer those queries with the most relevant result. And if that's what you give to consumers, you're going to be giving the right thing to Google as well. So I'm glad it's all working out for you, Marcus. This has been awesome stuff. There's plenty of actionable content that you've shared today. If people want to go and find out a little bit more about you or follow your stuff in more detail, where can they go and do that? Yeah, man, you can find me at the saleslion, L-I-O-N.com, thesaleslion.com. I'm at the saleslion on Twitter. There is a free ebook. It is uh, uh, one meaty, meaty book, and it's awesome. It's called Inbound and Content Marketing Made Easy. It's on the sales line. It's free, so anybody can go there and download it, and I think it'll have a huge impact because it's literally for the people that have read it and applied it. It's changed thousands of businesses and lives 
around the world, and it was my gift to the world. It took about two and a half years to write. It's about 250 pages long. But that's wow. the place, best place to find me. And, and thank you, James, for this opportunity. I just, I just love what the Internet does. It allows people like you and me completely across the pond where 10 years ago these were different markets. But today um, we're, we're, you're like a local business to me. And your listeners yeah. are local to me, and I'm local to them, and everything has changed, and it's all because of the power of digital. Awesome. Well, let's leave it on that note. Marcus from the salesline.com. All of those links that Marcus has mentioned will be in the show notes. Um, I guess this is from James. Over and out. Marcus, thank you. Thank you, buddy. This week's news in traffic. Now, I've spoken several times before, not only on this show, but also in my tips and training over at veravo.com about how important page load speed is to the performance of your website. Now, a faster loading site will not only have a reduced bounce rate because people will want to stick around on the site because it loads quickly, but it also has a positive effect on where your site ranks within the search engine results. Now, you'll be pleased to know that Google Google Analytics have just added a report inside the analytics dashboard, which can be found in behavior, site speed, and then speed suggestions that will give you ideas for improvements on how to make your pages load faster. So well worth checking out. This report is super helpful for site owners. And uh, one of the things that I really do recommend you spend some time optimizing. YouTube have made a change to their commenting system and now it's actually powered by Google Plus Comments. Now the change to the YouTube commenting system is supposed to allow for better interaction between commenters. It should do such things as move the top comments to the top of the list, show the comments that you wanna see first, such as those from your friends or, or people in your Google Plus circles, and more easily allow you to moderate comments if you're the channel owner. Now, it's been met with a little bit of controversy, especially from the Google co-founder, Jawad Karim, who actually said, why the bleep do I need a Google Plus account to comment on videos? I thought that was kind of funny. But anyway, go check out the new commenting. I kind of like them, especially as I'm fully integrated with Google Plus, but go check those out for yourself. In other news, in what has been a pretty light week, really, in all things traffic generation, well, Facebook have updated their like button, which is now supposed to encourage more likes on your posts. Now, if you're using the old button, you'll automatically be upgraded to the new button, so no issues there. And then from Google+, Plus, well, they've launched Helpouts. We reported on that a few months ago here on Traffic Jam, so you can go and check that out and explore it for yourself. I would love to get your feedback and opinion on this week's news stories. So please head on over to veravo.com and find the episode page for Traffic Jam episode number 24. What did you think to the new Google Plus commenting system on YouTube? How do you feel about the new Facebook like buttons? And uh, go give the Google Analytics site speed report a try and let me know what you think to it. I would love to get your feedback and comments. Let's open up a discussion on this week's episode page, episode 24. 
So I've got some fantastic reviews and comments come in on iTunes this week and I'd like to take just a, a few moments to read a few of those out. Now in no particular order, um, let's start with Michelle McPherson from the United States who says, wow, great guests. You've created an impressive list of guests, not just the usual suspects that speaks to your expertise as well. Look forward to seeing who's next. Um, top bloke from the United Kingdom. James provides some super content here through interviewing excellent and high quality guests. Well worth a listen for the snippets and golden nuggets they contain. Um, we've got Dino Dogan from the United States also. James does an amazing job of probing some of the most brilliant minds on the subject of traffic. It's not to be missed. And uh, well, let's grab one more. There are others, but let's uh, grab one more review. And that is from Belvedere in the United States. And uh, he or she, not quite sure, says it's good to hear SEO and SEO related information in a format that doesn't make my eyes roll up into the back of my head and put me in a coma. Um, and it's not that the bar is so low. Any podcast can keep my interest, but this one works for me. It'll probably work for you too. So thank you to all of you for your fantastic uh, comments. You all left a five-star rating as well. So thanks too for that. If you, the listener, would also like to leave me a comment, I certainly would appreciate that. And to do it, all you need to do is log into your iTunes account, search for the Traffic Jam podcast, and then click on the review and ratings button, select the star rating you want to give the show, and then leave me a comment as well. And if you're uh, if you're smart enough to leave your website address, which actually none of my commenters have done this week, I'll make sure that that's listed on the show too. So look forward to receiving your feedback and comments, and uh, I'll read them out again on next week's episode. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, in this week's tip, I'm going to suggest that you make use of what might be probably the most underused page on your website, and that is your thank you page, the page that people go to after subscribing to your email list. Now, you might ask me, James, how can a thank you page be used for traffic? People that visit that page have already come to the site and they've already subscribed, meaning that you can drive them back to your site using email marketing later. Well, here's the tip. On that page, you want to be adding links to your social media accounts, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Google+, because at the point of going to your thank you page, that subscriber is at their most receptive. They're really interested in your content. Content. So if you can have your visitors subscribe to multiple channels, not just your email list, you have the opportunity of presenting the marketing messages in multiple different places, drawing them back to the site and building up a real loyal audience and fan base. Now, if you'd like to see this strategy at play, head on over to veravo.com and click on the Traffic Jam link in the main navigation. You'll be taken to an opt-in page. Just enter your details there if you haven't done so already, and you'll be taken to a thank you page where you'll see these social media icons in place with a really strong call to action. This template is working great for me, and I know it worked great for you too. So if you want to see that at play, head on over to veravo.com hit the traffic jam link and then opt in. 
That rounds out episode number 24 of Traffic Jam. Thank you to my guest, Marcus Sheridan. I'll be back next week with another feature interview where I'll be talking this time to Jeff Bullis from jeffbullis.com, who's built a website that now generates over 4 million page views per year. And he's done it almost entirely using blogging and social media. So that's what you've got to look forward to next week. In the coming seven days, check out veravo.com for more tips and training on how to grow your audience online. We'll round out this week's episode with a track by Neil Diamond. It's called Song Sung Blue. And of course, it is chosen by this week's guest, Marcus Sheridan. So enjoy Marcus's track and I'll see you back here in about seven days from now. See you then. Everybody knows one Song, song, blue Every garden grows one Me and you are subject to The blues now and then But when you take the blues and make a song You sing them out again Sing them out again Song, song, blue Weeping like a willow Song, song, blue Sleeping on my pillow Funny thing But you can sing it With a cry in your voice Get to feeling good You simply got no choice Me and you Are subject to Take the blues and make a song You sing them out again Song, song, blue Weeping like a willow Song, song, blue Sleeping on my Listening to the Traffic Jam podcast with James Reynolds. 
to know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.